0: Shabbat shalom. We are in part five in a series called Living in an Evil World. Part five. Kind of feels like one of those never-ending series, right? So we've been talking about Daniel and his three friends who have been swept away into captivity in Babylon, and there they reemerge in a very pagan nation, a very pagan culture. And in God's providence, they are chosen, promoted to places of influence. They are challenged and persecuted for their faith in God and loyalty to his commandments. And in the midst of judgment and persecution, they rise in power. They rise in authority. They even prosper in the midst of that. It's a very inspiring story written and preserved for every generation including ours these words are for us today the principles the lessons to be applied today if daniel and his friends by the grace and favor of god can survive and thrive in babylon so can we babylon's still here babylon has permeated the globe you can see it everywhere now right And we're being persecuted more and more. It's finally reached the United States. It's been a bastion of Christianity and somewhat preserved from any persecution since the beginning. And all that's changing now. All that's changing. The evil that we're seeing everywhere is swelling and exponentially growing, and it's starting to actually um, um, become a real big problem even here. So... Let's jump back into our story. I want to give you a little bit of a context before we go to chapter 3. We left off in Daniel's uh, dream that he had, where he was able to understand and interpret the vision given to Nebuchadnezzar. So this is chapter 2. This is where he interprets the king's dream. He says in verse 36, This was the dream. Now we tell you its interpretation before before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. If we jump down to the end of the chapter, the king is enamored with this ability of Daniel to tell the king his dream and also interpret it. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present him with an offering of fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts And he made him the ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. So here's Daniel in pagan Babylon rising because he's committed to the Lord, walking in his ways, will not compromise, and in the midst of that game's favor with the king. And now the king is promoting Daniel. It's amazing when you see all of the providential uh, um, workings of God behind the scenes to make a way for Daniel and his friends. So here we are. Daniel's up for his second big test. The first one came over diet. The next one over idolatry. So what does the pagan king do? He gets this vision interpreted. And in the vision, God says, you are king of kings. You are Lord of lords. I've given you the power, the glory, and the kingdom to rule and reign over everyone. What is the king going to do with that? What is the king going to do with that? Well, the king recognized this is God's investment in him, Will he be humble before the king and give him glory? Or because he doesn't have a personal relationship, will he make the classic mistake of taking that for his own glory? Well, we know, right? Let's jump into the story. Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar then made a gold statue, 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. He set it up in a recessed area in the wall in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent messengers to to assemble the satraps, the governors, the mayors, the military advisors, treasurer, judges, officers, and all of the other provincial officials to dedicate the statue he had set up. Daniel says, you're the head of gold. So what does he do? He says, well, I'm going to make me a gold statue. I make a gold statue of myself. And then I'm going to have everyone dedicate that to myself, to me. So here he is just puffed up now, thinking that he's somebody, not recognizing that it's God who put him in that place. Then the satraps, governors, mayors, military advisors, treasurers, judges, officers, and all the other provincial officials assembled to dedicate the statute King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood in front of the statute. The herald called out loudly, People of every province, nation, and language, when you hear the sound of rams, horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all other kinds of instruments, bow down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever doesn't bow and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. As soon as they heard the sound of the ram's horns, flutes, lyres, lyre, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps with all other kinds of instruments, all the people from every province, nation, and language bowed down and worshiped the gold statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And after that, some astrologers came forward and brought charges against the Jews. And They addressed King Nebuchadnezzar, Your Majesty, may you live forever. Your Majesty, you gave an order that everyone who hears the sound of rams, horns, flutes, lyres, harps, and three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all kinds of instruments should bow down and worship the gold statute. Your order said that whoever doesn't bow and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are certain Jews whom you appointed to govern the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men didn't obey your order, your majesty. They don't honor your gods or worship the statue that you set up. So here they are in their hour of crisis. You would have thought they could go under the radar and get away with this. But the wicked, they're not going to let the righteous get away with it. And so they bring this attention and matter to the king in such a way that the king has no option but to follow through with his executive order. And so now these three Hebrew men who were loyal to God, and loyal to his commandments, have to make a decision. What are they going to do? They've been accused of not worshiping the statue. And what do they call them in the text? Jews. There are Jews in your administration. Isn't that interesting? Remember Mordecai? He went about a Haman. And, and so he asked, why, why doesn't he bow? And they said, well, it's because he's a Jew. Well, that doesn't answer the question, right? unless you know something about the Jews. And what do we know about the Jews? The Jews worship the one true and living God who told them in the covenant made through Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. In pagan religions, all kinds of gods. In Judaism, only one. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, which the king had made. This golden statute is an idol to be worshipped. It represents King Nebuchadnezzar wanting to take the glory for what God had given him. And they're forbidden, of course, in relationship to idols. It says, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or in the water underneath the earth, you shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So, Daniel, his friends, they said, Hey, we, we can't do this. We're Jews. We worship the one true living God, and he has forbidden us to bow down to any idols, even the king's idols. We will not bow to his idols. We will not worship his gods. Do you know, they say this in light of the fact that they're going to lose their lives. I mean, that's a huge test. They're going to die today. When they make this stand, they're going to die. Most people would never, ever do that. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way to get around it because it's going to cost them their, their very lives. This is what we call grit. These three men, they have grit. You know what grit is? It's an indomitable spirit. It is a courage that rises up and says, even if I die, I'm not changing my position, do what you're gonna do. This is the kind of faith these young men have. And I believe God's people are called to be like these young men. We're called to be like this. We're called to be fearless and courageous in our faith and loyalty to God. We're not to look for ways to get around it in order to escape persecution. We're to look persecution in the face and say, do what you're going to do, but I'm not going to bow to your gods. Verse 13, Then in a fit of rage and anger, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Immediately they were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't honor my gods or worship the gold statue that I set up. Calls them on the carpet. Is it true? You think they're going to mince words? you think they're going to look and try to be politically correct and try to get some kind of angle so they can kind of get get out of what might be coming to them? The king goes on, he says, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flutes, the lyre, the harps, the three, three-stringed harps playing at the same time with all the kinds of instruments, will you bow down down and worship the gold statue i made if you don't worship it you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace what god can save you from my power then yeah you you don't worship my gods don't you know who my gods are i am king nebuchadnezzar these are the gods of my kingdom. Do you have any idea what you're tying into? Do you think your God, some Jewish God, is is able to overcome their power and their authority? What God can save you from my power? Again, the king thinks it's his power. He doesn't recognize that God gave that to him. He's making the classic mistake That most people make when they have when they come into any power or glory or fame, they think it's their own. Verse sixteen: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, "We don't need to answer your last question. We, yeah, you know, when you know you're going to die anyway, what's the point, right? They said we don't even need to answer that last question." I mean, it's so ridiculous that you could even ask that. Why? It doesn't even deserve a response, basically, is what they're saying. If our God, whom we honor, can save us from a blazing furnace and from your power, he will, your majesty. That's the first part of the answer. The second part is much, much better. Because here we get to see the grit of these young men. But if he, our God, doesn't deliver us, you should know this, your majesty. We will never honor your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. Our God is greater than your gods. If he wants to deliver us, he will. And if he doesn't, so what? We will not bow anyway, regardless We're not going to do that. This is a beautiful, beautiful perspective of faith. Like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. These men are saying, you know what? We're going to serve God whether he delivers us or not. On what basis do we serve God? Are you serving God because you're going to get something in exchange? Are you serving God because there's rewards that might be given to you? Or are you serving God because he deserves to be served? He's worthy of that. See, we need to worship God, stay loyal to him and his ways, whether we are blessed or not, whether we are delivered or not, regardless of whatever the pressures may be and whatever is going on around us, it doesn't matter. We're loyal to the king. He has a plan, he has a purpose. I don't know what it is, but I'm staying the course. And I'm gonna worship him and serve him regardless. Regardless. Because many of these are simply tests that he allows to come to us so that our faith can rise. God's the architect of the tests. He's sovereign over the king, over Babylon, and over his people. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was so filled with anger towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face turned red. You know, usually kings keep their composure, you know. They're pretty savvy. They didn't get to that level, you know, acting stupid, right? But that king's face is beat red, and he knows it. You know what that feels like when your face is red, right? He's frankly embarrassed at this point in front of his royal officials. His face is red. He knows everyone can see his red face, and so he is on the spot. So he ordered that the furnace should be heated seven times hotter than normal, He told some soldiers from his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that they could be thrown into the blazing furnace. Then the three men were thrown into the blazing furnace. They were wearing their clothes, hats, and other clothing. They got all dressed up for the occasion, right? (laughs) I mean, they got, they got, they're all dressed up, right? And the king's going to throw them in the blazing furnace. The king's order was so urgent And the furnace was so extremely hot that the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the flames of the fire. So these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the blazing furnace. They were still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was startled. He sprang to his feet. He asked his advisors, didn't we throw three men into the fire? That's true, your majesty, they answered. Verse 25, then the king replied, But look, I see four men, and they're untied, and they're walking in the middle of the fire and unharmed. The fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Can you imagine that? The king's like, What? There's four. Not only is there four, they look like they're doing just fine. How can this be? They're walking in the flames rather than consumed, and that fourth one doesn't look like the other ones. The fourth one is a shining one. He's like the sun. He's like a son of one of the gods. Wow. Oh, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? You know, if they had died that day, they would have been fine with that. And they would have been promoted even in their death, right? But instead, God decides to deliver them. He hasn't always done that. There's been many people that were not delivered. We call them martyrs, martyrs. God, I don't want to be a martyr, by the way. Just I always point that out to him. I want to be like a Daniel. Give me a great deliverance. Even though the martyr's reward is greater, by the way, The martyr's reward is greater than those who are delivered. I still don't want that martyr's reward. Want to clear that up right now? But think about that. In the worst possible scenario, in the impossible scenario, God makes a way. Our God is the God of of miracles the god of the impossible he can deliver you and me out of anything it doesn't matter what we got ourselves into it doesn't matter what we're facing he can do it all he is unencumbered by anything and if he chooses to deliver you you will be delivered isn't that amazing so so whatever it is we face in life doesn't matter what we're going through We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord who can do it all. And we've got to say, and whether he does it or not, I will serve him with joy. Anyway, my reward is in him. He is my reward, right? So here's these three men thrown in the fire, and they're walking around, and they had to be 10 times as shocked as the king himself. Can you imagine being in their shoes? They're in the fire thinking, Wow, we're in this furnace and it feels like it's 68 degrees today and cloudy, nice and shady or whatever, right? Amazing. What a great deliverance. So let's go on. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the blazing furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He gets it right again. He's already connected earlier on that their God is the great God, the Most High God. Servants of the Most High God, come out here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Verse 27, the king's satraps, governors, mayors, advisors gathered around the three men. They they couldn't believe it, of course. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies. The hair on their heads wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't burnt, and they didn't smell like smoke. We went down to the San Luis Valley, my family, went on a family vacation at the sand dunes, and uh, our family clan actually and so me and my cousins my brother and my cousins we decided we're going to go up the side of the mountain and we're going to camp out on top of the mountain so we and it was quite quite the uh uh, venture because it took a couple hours to get up that mountain but we took a gallon of gasoline and uh, we were going to make a big fire up there for the evening and and uh, it actually wasn't a gallon; it was more like a quart, uh, but it was it was plenty of of flammable stuff. And uh, we don't even know it because we're just a bunch of kids. That they have a fire ban in place too, so you can't have any fires. Not only down at the base of the mountain where it's safe to have fires, but surely not up on the mountain. So we get up to a clearing up on the mountain towards the top. Couldn't go any higher. We set up our tents. We got everything ready. Sun's starting to go down. And we got the wood out, or we collected some wood. And uh, we, we started a little, a little fire. And my brother pulls out the gas. And we're thinking, nah, I think this is going to be just fine. I don't think you need to use the gas. And and uh, sure enough, he pours the whole thing. just pour, He just dumps the whole thing right onto the fire. And a big ball of flame jumps up. He disappeared for a nanosecond. It was just like boom, it was there and it was gone. It was just like, a boom, ball of fire and it's gone. And he's still standing there. It's like he disappeared and then he like appeared. But his eyebrows were singed. His hair in the front was singed. His eyelashes were singed back. He just, (laughs) he got toasted in that fire, man. I could not believe it. And we're like, oh my gosh, he doesn't even look like our brother anymore. So you can imagine these guys, right? They're in the fiery furnace and they come out and their hair is not even singed. They're clothes, I mean, I mean, I mean it, this is a, a true miracle. Long story short, we're on the mountain, and uh, we see miles away, probably 20 miles away, little flickering lights, colorful lights, you know. I think, hey, yeah, those look like, uh, those look like uh, emergency vehicles, you know. Yeah, and they, they're coming closer and closer, they're coming down. And then all of a sudden they turn and they come up the, the highway that's coming up to the sand dunes. We think, wow, they're coming. It looks like they're coming up to the dunes. Why would they be coming up to the dunes? You know, <laughs> We're like, oh, man, maybe something happened to mom or dad or one of the other ancient of days at, at the base of the camp. And uh, sure enough, they came all the way up to the base of the camp and, 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 and then they kind of disappeared because we couldn't see down where they were. And then about, oh, an hour and a half later, we're all sleeping, tucked away with our little fire and here comes the fire men and man they were so upset they they they're yelling screaming at us and I mean we're jumped up out of our sleeping bags and our undies and and they they read us the riot act I mean you could they're just screaming it was like being in the military boot camp drill sergeants yelling at you and so they had uh, helped us put out the fire, and then they made us dig a bunch of dirt on it. And, and then they told us, they said, we're leaving, and we don't want to see you ever again. We don't want to see you ever again. We If we see you a second time in the future, you're going to jail, you know. So, uh, and they said, don't even follow us down the mountain. Don't even follow us. Just, we're going to go down, and then you wait up here for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever, and then you can make your way down. Yeah, so they left. They had flashlights and everything. We Really didn't have much of anything, and we tried to make it down the mountain, and we got lost, got stuck in a ravine. It was unbelievable, and we're all we're we're just like it was just ridiculous, you know. We're like you you have to like bend over because the brush was getting thicker and thicker, and we got a line of of cousins, you know, and we get all the way down, and the guy in the very front says, "I can't go any further, can't go any." Everyone back up, so we're we're all like trying to back out of this stuff. It was just ridiculous. Anyway, we learned our lesson, and I don't even know why I told the rest of the story, but. they're out of the fire verse 28 nebuchadnezzar says praise the god of shadrach meshach and abednego he sent his angel and saved his servants who trusted him they disobeyed the king and risked their lives so that they would not have to honor or worship any god except their own god we need this kind of conviction we need this kind of grit to be compassionate, respectful, honorable, but no compromise when it comes to the commandments of God, when it comes to the ways of our God, that we have fidelity, we're faithful to our king and his ways. This is the lessons that we learn from these three young men. Verse 29, So I ordered that people from every province, nation, or language... Who say anything slanderous about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb. Their houses will be turned into piles of rubble. No other God can rescue like this. The king says their God is the Most High God. And because of what he did today, no one gets to speak ill of the God of the Jews. It's forbidden. You'll be torn from limb to limb. People, I want to tell you right now, it doesn't matter who our leaders are. It doesn't matter how pagan they are. It doesn't matter. God can touch their heart in a moment and turn them and give you favor with them where they champion your cause overnight. They become your servants, so to speak. It's amazing what God will do with the people whose hearts are fully his. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to higher positions in the province of Babylon. And they're already, they've been promoted twice already. This is the third promotion. They just go higher and higher and higher in Babylon. Yeah. Through faith in the Lord and faithfulness to his ways, God will give us favor. We'll rise even in the midst of judgment. I believe judgment's all around us. It's been growing in our nation. It's going to get a lot worse. I'm not worried. Why? Because God is sovereign. He's orchestrating it. He's going to make a way for us. Together, we will make it through the crisis. This is the message of Daniel. So Daniel is loyal to God and his commandments. His friends are loyal to God and his commandments. They pass the first two tests, dietary laws and idolatry. And he respectfully informs the king that though they will gladly honor and serve him, they will not worship him or his gods nor compromise on any other commandment of their God, including dietary issues, by the way, which are not big issues. Those are not the weightier issues of the Torah. You know, if there was ever an area that you could kind of fudge on, it would be these really light issues. And these young men, they said, nope, not even the light ones. We're going to keep the heavy ones and we're going to keep the light ones. This is fidelity. This is grit. This is what it means to give God all of your heart and all of your soul. Revelation 14, 12. Here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. The context is the end of time. The context is when Babylon becomes global, a one-world global government, so to speak. It's when the persecution heats up for that one final crisis, It's in that context of outpoured judgments that God says, here's the perseverance of my people. Here are my people being preserved because why? They believe in my son and they walk in my ways. And so God will see us through just like he did in the forerunners of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, of Mordecai and Haman. These stories are repeated over and over and over to tell us that we should remain firm in our faith knowing that God is for us and not against us. He's sovereign. He can make a way. And if he doesn't, it's still a promotion. Those who die the martyr's death immediately go into the throne room. They get to sit on thrones attached to the throne of Jesus and continue to rule and reign from heaven over the affairs of the earth. So it's just a win-win. It is a win-win for us. Oh my God. You know what? I'm telling you right now. You know, it makes no sense to be happy and full of peace and joy in today's climate other than you're a child of the living God. And as a child of the living God, we have so much to be happy, so much to rejoice in. Wow, our lives are a forever life. We can go through anything because our life is a forever life. God can turn the tables, turn it all around, and he can do it all. Hallelujah! All right, so, well, praise God, I'm out of time, and I'll push the holiness issue to the next time, like I said last week. So, I want to give everyone an opportunity to um, receive Jesus. I know most of us have. I think a few of us have not done that, and especially those that are listening to our uh, live streaming or an uploaded video, even. I want to give you an opportunity, if you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to give that to you today. We are all born in sin. We're a rebellious and condemned humanity. Our our human condition is already under condemnation. If you want to be saved from this condemnation and saved from the coming wrath of God, then you need to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior today. Peter said this on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2.38, all of you must turn to God, change the way you think and act. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. This promise belongs to you, to your children, to everyone who is far away. It belongs to everyone who worships the Lord our God. God has promised salvation to everyone who believes in him. And it comes through faith in Jesus. So I want to give you the opportunity to receive this promise of salvation. Just pray with me. If you pray these words in sincerity, God will make good on his promise. He will save you and give you a new life, a forever life. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sins and turn to you in faith. I make you my Lord and Savior. Come into my being, forgive me, cleanse me from evil, cause me to be born again. I will get baptized in your name as soon as possible. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you've prayed that for the first time today, just see a pastor or an elder for a baptism form and we'll get that scheduled ASP, and we'll get you baptized and on your way in that new forever life, stepping into the blessings of God, connecting with the one who made you in his image from this day forth. Amen and amen. Shabbat shalom. God bless you this week. Amen.